We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekumski coming to you from the cool climbs of Northfield, Minnesota. <laughs> You're rubbing it in again. <laughs> uh, this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming to you from uh, hot and steamy uh, St. Louis, Missouri, <laughs> uh, where I serve as pastor at Ascension Lutheran Church. So, so Matt, I got to share something with you, some, some really profound theological thought. That, that has come to me via my uh, stepdaughter, Stephanie. Okay, um, great. Well, not, 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 she pointed out something that, and, and, you know, how, how we miss this. Because you, you and I are both students of the scripture. H- how many times do you think you've done a study of the story of creation and Adam and Eve and all of that? What? Countless times, times John. Countless, countless times. Uh, innumerable. That's innumerable. right. Innumerable. Yeah. A myriad of times. So, so now just listen, think through me with this. So what were we eating from before the fall? What were we eating from? So, yeah, from what was created there in the garden. I think plants, we could say, pretty confidently. Well, no, no, no. What God's no. Yeah, see, yeah, you're jumping there into plants because I don't think the word plant is used there after Adam gets created. But it clearly says he was eating from the... What were they eating from? You may freely eat from any what in the tree, garden? Tree. Tree. Yeah. Tree. Yeah. Yeah. See, it doesn't. No, not plants. Well, no, a, a tree. tree. I, wait, a tree is a plant, John. Well, all, all right. All right. <laughs> Dang it. You have to become a botanist on me. <laughs> all right. All just, right. Okay. You're being very specific here. here. Okay. Well, I'm, but I'm no, no. I'm, I'm not being specific. Here. The Bible is specific. It says okay. you may eat freely right. of any right. tree. Any okay. tree in the garden. Okay. Very good. But do you notice that as soon as we fall into sin, we're eating from the ground, right? Yeah. Yeah. Adam is going to till the ground. It'll have thorns and thistles. Uh, Cain is a tiller of the ground. We're eating from the ground. Now, think about this. This is where it gets to wait for this because this is really exciting. What kind of things do we get from trees, Matt? We get fruit. Fruits, uh, fruits, yes. what we get from trees. What kind of stuff grows in the ground, Matt? Down in the ground. Tubulars, is that what you said, Lynn? Tuberous, tuberous. Plants again. Yeah, they're plants. But what kind of tuberous plants grow in the you ground, your Matt? Potatoes, you got your carrots, you got your. your you, you don't want to say it. You don't want to say it, do you? But it's vegetables, Matt. That's right. That's right. So it's pretty clear to me, before the fall, fruits, after the fall, vegetables. I see. Okay, so now I see why trees were so key to your introduction, That's John. Right. That's right. So I'm not, uh, not going to say anything more than that, but I think we just need to consider that apparently before the fall, there were no vegetables. And, and Stephanie Wright is the one who shared this. 
Yeah, Stephanie. She Stephanie. is now your new favorite, I am sure. <laughs> she is. She <laughs> is. Insight. And, and now, she shared. Go ahead, man. <laughs> there's biblical proof against That's vegetables. That's right. Right. And, and like me, she doesn't really like vegetables that much either. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. Uh, so, again, all of this is simply proving what we began talking about last week, that you can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> and we and we do apologize to families who are listening with young children. Um, <laughs> we apologize if, if they're now going to use biblical evidence against you, parents. <laughs> When it comes to eating their vegetables. Mom, (laughs) Pastor Matt, Pastor John said this is from sin. (laughs) But then again, maybe that's the burden we have to bear now because of sin. It's part of the curse of the law that we have to eat vegetables. I'm sure somewhere in some lost Hebrew manuscript that's included in the curses that Paul, you know, that God says to Adam and Eve. And from now on, you will eat vegetables. (laughs) Well, it's implied, isn't it? It's implied to eat from the ground. That's what he says. It's implied. Well, that's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. All right. yeah. Whether they we, like it or not. We we need to get on to some other stuff here, too. Again, from an old dog learning new tricks. Uh, last week, I shared with you two things that I had never realized before. I don't know if you had or not. Um, number one, that uh, where, where Paul says uh, that women, our wives, should submit themselves to their husbands, uh, that the word submit there, hipotasso, and that's nothing new. That's nothing new. He's not not, not some radical uh, new Christian teaching. Um, Plutarch, Plutarch also said in his, his guide to uh, husbands and wives that wives should hipotasso, submit. Uh, I, I ran across this thing from Alexander the Great. You know Alexander the Great, don't you? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't? Who Great doesn't? guy. <laughs> That's why and and so, so his mom, Olympias, and, and by the way, she took that name in honor of her husband, Philip, who had had a winning horse in the Olympics. And so she named herself Olympias in honor of her husband. Well, Philip the rat, he goes and marries another woman. <laughs> okay. Oh, after she changed her name even. After, yeah. Yeah. Golly, what a and, and yet Alexander the Great says, Mom, Mom, you should still, you should hipotasso Philip. Okay. You should hipotasso Philip. So that idea of the wives hipotasso submitting, nothing new. But then we talked about another thing that I didn't realize, that when Paul says that husbands should agape love their wives that is totally new that in fact the uh, the greeks and the romans didn't really use the word agape uh be, and why would they matt uh do you know the three three different words for love in the greek you do don't you sure yeah the eros the philos and the agape yeah so so eros what's that all about well that can be uh sort of a <laughs> I think we get the word erotic from eros, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so uh, passionate, I guess you could say, kind of love. Uh, philos. Uh, wait, no, wait, 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 yeah. wait. Hold on. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. It's eros is the attraction of men and women, that kind of love, and the and the Greeks and the Romans loved that. I, I should send you some things because we couldn't use them on the air because <laughs> they really, <laughs> okay. they really. You think the stuff you see on TV today is bad? You should read. Greek and Roman secular literature. All right, so yeah. you got we, that, we, that. We've already ruined vegetables for the kids. Let's not ruin, uh, <laughs> no, ruin no. this either. Anything else? Spend on me later. All right, so it's, that makes perfect sense. Even today, that that exists and people recognize it. Uh, now, what was the second kind of love? So the philos, um, yeah. uh, like a brotherly love, right? Yeah. A, 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 a friendship type of love. Uh, city of Philadelphia, right? City of brotherly yeah. love. 
And, and that's at the heart of, of the ethics of the Romans and the Greeks. Uh, this is what you do. You take care of your family. You watch out for your brothers. You take care of your friend. And you do that because you expect they'll do what? They'll, they'll look out for you too, right? A, sort of a mutual looking out for each other. So, so those words are very common in Greek secular literature. But the idea of agape, Matt, Matt what, what's the, what makes agape different than, than these other loves we've talked about? Well, I think it's really easy to be different from Eros, but even from Phyllis, what makes agape different? Yeah, I would say it's a grace-filled love. It's a love that is um, sacrificial even, you might say. It's a love that doesn't really look for that, uh, <laughs> that, that payoff from someone else, but it, it's a love that loves unconditionally. And, and, and do, you have the, do you have your Bible handy? Yeah, I sure do. Okay, so, so just to give you some Bible passages here where the word agape is used. Did, you don't happen to have Romans 5, 6 through 8, do you? I do, John, right here. Okay, wow. That was quick, Matt. Yeah, don't know, hurt yourself now. I, well, I knew I was going to be able to rest through the basics, so I stretched beforehand. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right. Always stretch before you start opening your Bible. <laughs> so what's it say there in it Romans says, 5? So the Apostle Paul writes, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might even dare to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So there's that grace part that you mentioned, Matt. Uh, now, say again, the jury, they, they would understand that if you if you have a brother, then maybe you, maybe you would die for them. And you're in the military, you do that, you risk your life, because you know your brother's going to risk your life for you. But, but of course, agape means, no, not just the guy that might help you. No, you love uh, strangers. You agape even enemies. Uh, and, and then finally, to emphasize this other point you had about the sacrificial nature of agape, mm -hmm. how about how about John fifteen thirteen? Yeah. Uh, so there, John writes, "Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends." All right. So 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 and so the Greeks didn't use that word at all because why would they? That's a crazy kind of love. Who would love like that, Matt? It doesn't make any sense at mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. Okay. But this is exactly what Paul is telling husbands. That's how they're supposed to love their wives. Uh, not regardless whether the wife deserves it, not just because she's been a good wife, but, but all the time, all the situations, and with a sacrificial love, willing to give up everything, even their lives. Now, what I didn't realize, Matt, when we talked about this last week, that I actually put my foot in it. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> what this time, John? Well, did you realize, I, I don't know, because I, I didn't actually think about this, that we were actually putting ourselves in the middle of a big controversy that's going on in the Christian church right here and now. Have you heard the term complementarianism? Complementarianism. Have you heard that term? Uh, yeah. So, okay. uh, yeah, I, I have. And uh, so it's it's this idea that uh, men and women have complementary responsibilities. Um, okay, explain what you mean. Complementary jobs. So uh, this idea that the men and women, you know, in the church or in the home, I suppose, too, that they have responsibilities that uh, complement each other, not necessarily one higher than the other, um, but uh, working in in cooperation with one another. And now, now I understand. So that's one position, complementarianism, which I think, pro see, when I was a young man, we never used that label, okay? Although I can see now I must have grown up in a complementary church, 
but, but we never had that term. And now the, the opposite opinion is called egalitarianism, which, by the way, surprisingly has nothing to do with eagles. <laughs> I mean, you'd think when egalitarianism, so they, they must really be into eagles. But uh, do you have any, now have you heard that term, egalitarianism? Well, just the idea of equality. Uh, oh, okay. And equalness uh, among. So people. should it be equalitarianism? I you guess that's just so, hard. John, I don't know. Yeah, you would think so. That would make sense to me. So, 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 in other words, that when it comes to the sexes, no, we're we're identical. We're the same. No, there's no compliment there. Whatever a woman does, a man can do. Whatever a man does, a woman can do. And apparently, this is a really, really big controversy. Apparently, especially in the Baptist Church, which had always been a really strong complementarian church, mm-hmm. now there's all kinds of women's voices raising up and saying, "Oh no, we reject this. We we want to be egalitarians." Uh, um, but here's what my thought was. Okay. I really wasn't talking about that issue at all. (laughs) Okay. I just was sharing stuff that I didn't know before, but as I'm reflecting on these issues, a a thought occurred to me, number one, we we aren't equal. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you something right now, Matt. I'm not having any babies. How about you? Yeah. No, no, (laughs) no, I'm not. (laughs) So the joke was when I was your age, childbearing age, that that uh, you know if if men had the babies, every family would have one baby. <laughs> well, but 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 then I said I thought to myself, no word would get out, and we wouldn't that's have any said. babies. Yes, yeah. You would talk to the other guys, and oh, maybe not. <laughs> no, 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 no kids here. All right, uh, but I would admit. If if I was raised in a complementarian church, it's interesting how those compliments have changed over time. Now, now have you have you seen any changes in your lifetime? Because you are Matt Youngblood, <laughs> but have you seen any of those changes in your lifetime? Well, yes, yeah, somewhat, and and I think even still, for maybe congregation to congregation, there's uh, different roles. Certainly, uh, the men and women play. Uh, but but yeah, I, I think the the role of women in the church, in particular, uh, the role of the guys. I don't know if that's changed all that much, right? Uh, yeah. But the roles of women in the church certainly, and and how they uh, participate, even in worship, I think in particular is is one thing that yeah, maybe we're not quite all on the exact same page of, but I think in general, uh, among Lutherans at least, we have uh, yeah, I think we're we have a pretty good common understanding of of what. Uh, the role of women in, are uh, in the church. So, yeah, things like, you know, do women read scripture or do they think uh, in public worship or participate in the children's message and things like that? And and so I, I've seen some really radical changes in, in, in my uh, 68 years, because I remember when I was younger, uh, when you had a voters assembly, women wouldn't participate. They wouldn't yeah. be part of that. Yeah. Oh, no, no, women women were not allowed to vote. They're not allowed to vote. And I imagine, like you say, there may be some parishes where that's still still true, but I'm sure the majority of our congregations have, have women voters. Uh, I know we had a woman secretary, a woman treasurer, which, of course, at one time would have been unheard of. Um, my wife actually wrote a paper when she was in uh, college 
uh, explaining why women shouldn't be principals. <laughs> okay. And, and it, well, yeah, you're laughing because, you know, yeah. what, what's the irony of that? Yeah, well, Lynn just the, retired right from being a Lutheran school principal. Principal, yeah, yeah. So she said God must have been laughing at her when she wrote that. Uh, and, and of course, what your, your egalitarians would say, aha, see, we were right all along. And just gradually, you're beginning to recognize the truth of this, that women are really equal and we shouldn't have these different complementary roles. However, I would offer a different suggestion. Again, Matt, don't, don't get a paper cut here. I worry so much that you're going to injure yourself. But could you look up 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23? Sure, sure. Give me, give me a second. Okay, yeah, 1 yeah, Corinthians okay. 9, verses 19 through 23. Okay, yeah. here we go. Uh, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I have become weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means, I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. So I think simply what's happened as, as we've changed these complementary rules in the church, whether we knew it or not, uh, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we were simply doing what Paul says Christians should do, which was we become all things to all people so that we may share the gospel with its blessings. And so at the time that women were not allowed to vote, women were not allowed to vote everywhere, Right. They, mm -hmm. they didn't vote in, in secular elections either. That was just not permitted and allowed. And so I think whether we realize it or not, we kind of went along with that so that we could preach the gospel, that we wouldn't be an offense. And, and as that changed, then we changed. And, and likewise, there was a time when women didn't have uh, uh, secular leadership positions. It just didn't happen. And again, so that we might be everything to all people, we were that way. But now that's changed and the church has changed, too. Uh, and I think that's all really good. Uh, and now regarding these words of Paul, though, go back uh, and, and, and Ephesians, I'm talking, where he says wives should submit and husbands should love. Read, read that first verse there in 1 Corinthians 9, because I think that's the key thing here. Sure. In 1 Corinthians 9, uh, for though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. So what does Paul consider himself to all people? What's the word he uses there? A servant. And isn't that what it means when, when we're told to hipotasso? Isn't that all it's simply saying? That, that what, what Paul is telling wives to do is actually what he would tell all Christians to do. That we are here to be servants of people that we might share with them uh, in the gospel. And I think it's interesting, Matt, if you'd go back to that Ephesians 5 passage we've been talking about, about wives submitting to the husbands. You know what Paul says in the verse before that? In fact, do you have it there in Ephesians yeah. 5, 21? Yeah, so then right before that, he really sort of prefaces that section by saying, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So it's the same word again, hypotassoing. This is what all Christians do. We, we submit to one another. In 1 Corinthians, he says the same thing, be subject. And again, it's the same word, hypotasso, uh, to every fellow worker in labor. It's just, and in fact... You know, the, the liberal people like to split Paul and Jesus apart. Like, well, Jesus had the truth, and, you know, Paul kind of perverts it. Uh, he yeah. warps it because of his own biases. 
But isn't this what Jesus told all of us, that we are supposed to uh, uh, be servants and slaves? <laughs> okay. But what else do you expect Paul to say to the wives? Because this is what Paul would say to every Christian. This is what you're here for, to be servant and to be to, to, to be slaves of people. You know, that's what he said. If anyone would be first, then it'd be last of all and servant of all. It's just what we're supposed to do. And if you're a wife, well, that's what you do too. But then he comes to the husbands and gives this even greater task that, that they should love. They should agape. That's what they ought to be doing. Don't worry about your wife submitting to you. That's not your job. That's not your task to say to the wife, you know, the Bible says you're supposed to obey me. So you better do what I tell you. No, no. Then you've then you're the sinner. Then you've transgressed because the job is that you're supposed to love the wife. And here's what's crazy, Pat. The, the, the words there that are used in Ephesians for wives and husbands, those words actually are the same words that are used for men and women. Uh, you could translate it, women, submit to your own men. Uh, and of course, we know he's talking about husbands there because women mm -hmm. don't have every man. They only have yeah. one man. And likewise, husbands, men, that's what the word literally is. Men should agape uh, women. And, and you know, I've been reading the papers and the, and the well, no one reads the papers anymore. <laughs> But I've been I've been watching the internet, and there's all these stories about like Governor Cuomo, who's being accused of, yeah. of sexual harassment, yeah, well, and this big big uh, software company that that my kids have bought all kinds of games from, uh, uh, Activision. It's called one of the big makers, and now they're being sued because they have all kinds of horrible, nasty things they've done to women. And I'm thinking, can't you see? Paul sees the problem. The problem isn't a lack of equality. The problem is the people in power and the people in control are not doing what God would have them do, which is to agape, to love and to care. Could you read one more passage for me sure. from Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28? Sure. Jesus called them and said to, to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. See, that's what the world that's what the world wants to do. They want to lord it. They want to have authority. And this is going on. Men are doing this all over. But but here's what Jesus says. Well, this how it should it, be with us. Yeah, it shall not be so among you. But whomever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, so I don't think this passage in Ephesians 5 has anything to do with complementarianism or with egalitarianism. I think Paul is doing something that is totally Christian and you will not find in any secular philosophy. And that's a whole different way of relating to people where what we want to do is we want to be servants to people in, in every situation. And if we are given authority, if we are given power, we don't want to be like the worldly authorities and the worldly power. But even in that power, we want to be the servant and boy. Uh, be your slave, that's a really powerful statement when you think about what it was to be a slave, yeah. and yet that's what we're called to do. Now, here's the problem, Matt. None of us are doing that. I understand that. Wives are not submitting. None of us submit the way we should. Uh, and certainly as a husband, I don't always love my wife with that sacrificial love, willing to give up everything for her. And, and of course, in all of this, as Paul says, uh, this is the law, and it makes us conscious of sin. 
which is why it's so important that Jesus ended his statement by saying, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so when you're talking agape, you have to remember that's what Christ did for us. He's the original agape -er. And there can be no agape from us until we realize that he has loved us with grace, as you said, perfect word, Matt, and with sacrifice. And he has loved us that way, Matt, even when we haven't loved that way, even when we haven't submitted the way we should. That is how God loves and forgives us. Matt, we got 30 seconds. Any quick closing comment? No, I think the thing I probably appreciate most about the discussion has just been that the uniqueness of that Christian love, the, the love yeah. that... Jesus lays before us, Paul lays before us, the love that's demonstrated then ultimately in Jesus Christ. It's unique from that Greek culture uh, and their idea of love, but it's just <laughs> same is true today in the 21st century. It's different from our secular American worldly culture too. This love of God agape is unique among Christians and it's unique in God's love for us. Thank you for joining us here. Uh, this has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the Basics. The basics.